Welcome everybody to our weekly Torah podcast. This week's podcast is dedicated in memory of Mr. and Mrs. Harold and Shirley Pasternak, Herschel Ben David, and Sima Devora Bas Yecheskel. This week's parsha we begin the fifth book of the Torah, Chumash Devorim. The Torah Sefer Devorim, Torah tells us, was actually said within the last five weeks of Moshe's life. Torah tells us it was in the 40th year, 11th month of the year, on the first day of the month, which is the first day of the month of Shabbat, and Moshe died the seventh day of the month of Adar. So this entire Sefer was all said within the last five weeks of Moshe's life. Chumash Devarim was referred to as Mishnah Torah, to some extent the repeat of the Torah. Many of the mitzvahs are repeated over in this in this Chumash. Some of the mitzvahs that were not mentioned before are, 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 are explained and elaborated on Obanavi here. Some of the details of the mitzvahs that are mentioned in the other Chumashim are also mentioned in this Chumash. The Pasek begins, however, Ela Devar Meshadibra Moshe El Kol Yisrael. These are the words that Moshe spoke to the entire nation, Be'evra Yardin, and in the Transjordanian side of Eretz Yisrael. And the Torah tells a list of names of different, seemingly different places. By Midbar, in the desert, Barafa, on the plains, Mol Suv opposite Suv, Ben Parin and Ben Tofa Lavan, between Parin and Tofa and Lavan, and Chatseros and Dizahav. Rashi points out that some of these places we don't find any place else in Scripture. What exactly? The, what's the significance of these names? So Rashi says these are actually the words, Moshe's final words to some extent to the Jewish nation, words of tochacha, words of reproof. Rabbis tell us Moshe learned from Yaakov, just like Yaakov offered words of reproof to his sons shortly before he passed away. Moshe did the same thing also. We'll see the same thing later on in the Nevi'im also. Yoshua also chastised the people before he died, as did Shmuel, as did David, as did Shlomo. Because I'll talk about the idea of giving words of reproof shortly before one passes. But it's interesting, though, we learn many of the ideas and the, and the many of the, the, the details about tochach, about giving Musr, from these words of Moshe Rabbeinu. So first, like Rashi says, these places were not really names of places necessarily, but there are allusions, hints, to different sins that the Jewish people did in these places. He didn't want to embarrass them in front of one another. And therefore, he just gave an allusion, the little places, Rashi points out, Bamidbor, in the desert. At first, uh, they weren't in the desert right now. They're in the Arvos Moav, in the plains of Moab. So Bamidbor refers to the sins in the desert when they would constantly complain, oh, if only we would have died in, in Mitzrayim rather than having to die in this desert. Barava, that's in the sin that they committed in the Arvos Moav with the daughters of Midian, daughters of Moav. Mol Suf, opposite the Yamsuf, opposite the sea when they first came to the sea. And again, they complained, aren't there enough graves in Mitzrayim that we have to come over here and die over here? And they complained, they weren't sure when they came before, before the water, they weren't sure how they're going to be able to be spared, how they'll be able to be saved. Similarly, Ben Poran, Ben Tofel, Volavan. Rashi tells us, Tofa of Lavan, a reference, that, that which is white, which is reference to the Mun. It's a sense that they complained about the Mun. They said, initially they complained, they wanted something to eat, something something substantive to eat. And then also they complained that Navshina cuts a blechama colloquial. We can't handle, we don't like this Mun anymore, this light food over here. Yeah, we have all different types of complaints to add about the Mun. The most magnanimous 
amazing type of a food, yet they found fault with it. Vechatseros and Poranar, she says, refers to also to the sin of the spies. And Vechatseros refers to the machokas, to the argument of Korach and his Korach and his and his followers when they rebelled against Moshe. Bedizahav, an abundance of gold, refers to the sin of the golden calf that the Jewish people sinned because of an abundance of gold. So Moshe is giving them a little bit of a hint, a little reminder of the sins they did without expressing without saying them explicitly. There's an important message over here. That even though we have an obligation to give Musr, the Torah tells surely reprove your friend. But the Torah don't bear upon him a sin. And the the Torah explains what that means to say is don't bear upon him a sin that when you give person words of reproof, if you embarrass them, then you will have the sin yourself. Because even though the person might have done something wrong, and perhaps he should be chastised, but it doesn't give you the right to go embarrass the person. The person has feelings also. The person has to, you have to learn to preserve the person's dignity. And therefore, you have to be careful. So Moshe was very careful when he spoke to the words that were proved to the Jewish nation. They said it in a nice way, in a manner that was palatable, a manner that would not be insulted or not be embarrassed by his words. Another thing we learned from Moshe is the fact that he said it shortly before he died. Timing means a lot insofar as reproof. We have to know when to say words of reproof. The word tochacha literally stems from the word lohochiach, which means to show, to prove. The goal is not just to knock somebody over the head and to, to give them a fire and brimstone speech about how he's going to be punished. We're lohochiach, tochacha, is to show the person where they went wrong in order to be able to encourage them to act correctly. There's something to be said about saying words of reproof shortly before one dies. It's much more easily to accept those words then. The Chasm Sofer explains, for example, that generally when a person is given words of reproof, a person is told off, he tends to become very defensive. So that's not what happened, that's not my fault, and say all, all kinds of things to say in his defense. When a person accepts words, though, when a person says something over it before he dies, person generally is not going to be so defensive at that point in time. They realize this person's words are on the on the, on the the person, the mochia, the person giving the muster, the person giving the words of reproof, that it's on his mind. And certainly even though even though it might be painful to hear, but the fact that the person is willing to say these things on his deathbed, it, it makes it a lot more easy to accept. The person won't be as defensive in that type of a situation. The Ksausofis is along those lines also, that words that are said on a person's deathbed, it's a little easier to accept because there's a mitzvah kaim diver and meister gemara tells us. It's a mitzvah to fill the words, to fill the will of somebody that passes on from this world. And there's something to be said when a person dies, we really want to be able to, to, be able to, keep, to keep their words, to keep the person alive to some extent. We want to be able to make them happy, so to say, even after they're no longer in this world. Many people, when somebody passes from this world, they'll do something in his memory. They'll give tzedakah, they'll donate a plaque, or some kind of a mitzvah for that matter, dedicate the mitzvah in the memory of this person. Because when a person dies, people feel a certain sense of rahman, a certain sense of compassion. And for that reason also, the words of reproof that are said shortly before one passes, is you have a stand a much better chance of the person being able to receive it. Simply because 
they want to be able to make the person happy. They see they angered the person. They see the person was upset. They want to be able to make the person, to give them make something to dedicate in the person's memory. And therefore, it's very possible that they might improve their behavior really for that reason itself. The Torah tells us afterwards, these, said, these words were said after Sichon smote, the, after, excuse me, after Moshe and the Jewish people smote Sichon, the king of the Amori, and Og Melech Abashan, Og the king of Bashan. It's, it's noteworthy these words were said after Moshe stuck his neck out, so to say, for the Jewish people. In other words, it's very easy when somebody gives words of reproof to be able to feel, oh, you have something against me, and you're just trying to just trying to get knock me down, and because you don't care about me. Moshe showed that was not the case. This is after he stuck his neck and risked his life to some extent for in the war against Sichon and Og. And for that matter, when he fought the war against Midian, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, then Midian, you should go wage the war against Midian. Then you're going to die. Thus Moshe had a guarantee that very few people have. Hashem tells them that he should go wage war, and only after that he'll die. In other words, he knew that he would live until they had avenged the Nakama against Midian. Most people don't have such a guarantee. Now, if Moshe wanted to take that to the bank, so to say, he could have taken his time. And taking it, it's just stalled as far as waging the war against Midian because he knew that he wouldn't die before they waged the war against Midian. That's not what the Torah tells us. Immediately, however, he calls the Jewish people together and he, and he sends the soldiers out to wage the war against Midian because what was most important was what Kodesh Baruch wanted them to do. And he always wanted to avenge the honor of the Jewish people by waging war against Midian. The Jewish people saw this. They saw that Moshe didn't have anything against them Moshe wasn't trying to fault them. Moshe was willing to stick his neck and risk his life for their sake, for their benefit. And that too, again, is something which is important when giving Musa, to make sure that the recipient accepts it, that he's able to accept it, rather, that he knows that you care about him. It's coming from a, a warm heart rather than coming from somebody that that's just wants to see somebody else when the chips are down. Immediately afterwards, the Torah tells us also, as a matter of fact, Moshe gives a bracha to the Jewish people May the Almighty God of your fathers increase you a thousandfold. And he should bless you like he promised you. In other words, over here too, Moshe is showing them how much he loves them. He wants only the best for them. And therefore, when he leads them these words of reproof, it's coming from a sense of care and concern rather than coming from just something that he wants to be able to, because he didn't like them, because he wanted to knock them down. The words of Musr are so important, but of course it's also necessary that they be able to be heard, that they be able to be accepted. Rabbi Chaim Volozhner says that the midst of Tochacha, the midst of giving Musr, means to say that you have to say it in a way the person can accept it and will receive it. If you say the words of Musr, in a way that the person is going to reject them, there's no mitzvah. B'chaim Vlajda compares it, the person, for example, is missing an arm, he has no mitzvah to put on tefillin. Certainly his mitzvah, tefillin is a wonderful mitzvah, a great mitzvah, but if a person doesn't have the arm, he doesn't have the capability of fulfilling the mitzvah, there's no obligation. If a person is unable to give musr in a manner, in a way that it's able to be heard and able to be received and able to be accepted, he is exempt from that mitzvah. And we de- indeed we see the Jewish people accepted the words of Musa. 
it would have been easy for the people to have told Moshe, listen, what do you want from us? These sins are not for sins that we did. These sins are sins that our grandfathers did, our fathers, the earlier generation did. That generation died out. The generation left Mitzrayim but already died out in its entirety. This is the next generation. So granted, some of the sins may have been committed by this generation too, the daughters of Moab. But the sin of the spies, the sin of Korach, the sin of the eagle, the golden calf, the sin of the people complaining by the sea, they could have easily said, what are you talking to us for about these sins? This wasn't us. This was an earlier generation. But we don't see they said that. They accepted it. They saw the words of Moshe came from a heart of love. And therefore, they were able to accept it. They're able to say, yeah, where, I see where it's coming from, and it's for my benefit. There's a famous story told about the Svas Emes, the, the Ger Rebbe, as a child, that one time he studied with a friend of his through the night. And then early in the morning, he davened, and then he went to sleep. A few hours later, he woke up, and his father, his grandfather, his grandfather raised him. His grandfather saw that he just woken up, and he started berating him. He says, how is it possible that the Rebbe's grandson, the future, the future successor to the Ger Hasidus dynasty, that he wakes up so late in the morning? What's going on with you? The Ger Rebbe Hasemis didn't say a word. And his friend was with him. His friend afterwards told him, I don't understand you. You had an excellent excuse. You stayed up the entire night. You davened early. You didn't wake up late. You went to sleep in the morning for a couple hours. Why didn't you excuse yourself to your, father, to your grandfather? And as Fasema said, What? I should give the opportunity to hear words of reproof from my great-grandfather? I want, I, I enjoy hearing words of, of Musa from my grandfather. I wouldn't want to give it up for anything. You have to make sure to be able to, in fact, that Moshe was able to say these words and the Jewish people were able to accept them. That itself shows that he gave them over in the proper manner. This mitzvah of Tochoch is such a great mitzvah the Gemara tells us, the Gemara in Shabbos, when it talks about some of the causes of the, of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, it says that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because the Jewish people did not give Musa to one another. They didn't reprove one another. And that seems a little difficult to understand because granted it's a positive commandment, you shall surely give words of reproof to your friend, but that it should be considered a cause for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash if it wasn't fulfilled? Why should that be the case? But before Shem explained, the reason for this is because despite the fact that the sins that led to the destruction were much greater sins, the first base image was destroyed because the Jewish people sinned in the three, in three cardinal sins, idolatry, immorality, and murder. But nevertheless, had they given words of reproof to one another, they could have improved. They could have done tshuva. And by doing tshuva, by repenting for these sins, then the base midrash wouldn't have been destroyed. The second base midrash, likewise, the fact that they, the fact that they showed animosity, sinaschinim to one another. Had they given musr to one another, perhaps they would have improved their behavior, and their sin wouldn't have counted against them so harshly. So, therefore, that's the severity. That's the severity when the person does not give musr. The importance of musr, the importance of being able to give words of reproof in the right way and the capability and the importance of being able to accept words of reproof are so powerful, so great. We learn the details of this of Moshe Rabbeinu, and we see, unfortunately, the consequences when words of Musa are not given in the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. May we all merit to be able to accept and to be able to deliver 
words of reproof that the base Middash be able to be returned and be rebuilt speedily in our days. Bez Hashem, be again together next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.